live streaming. Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the Beyond Bitcoin bonus show. Oh, yeah, we're back on the main channel. Today is August the 29th. 2020 strong hand long-term thinking personal responsibility is a new counterculture buying over crying buy and hold this game is not rigged one bitcoin equals one bitcoin i'm offended by selling be a unique beast we have the unique beast on uh gabriel divine has made his return to the channel uh he's never been on the beyond bitcoin show before so i you know, decided to diversify a little bit here do something different if you guys have questions we have answers you could do a super chat and or you can type in Bitcoin Meister and you can ask Gabriel a question. You can ask me a question about current events or Bitcoin or, or anything that you want to talk about. I want to remind everyone this week in Bitcoin was Friday. It's linked to below. And uh, on Thursday, we had another Gabriel on. Gabriel from Venezuela made his return after three months of no Internet in Venezuela. Uh, so Venezuela is, of course, an economic basket case beyond uh, comparison, and they have lived through hyperinflation. And people predict hyperinflation for the United States, and that's something I don't believe in, but maybe Gabriel does here. And what we're going to start off talking about here on the Beyond Bitcoin show is a little bit of Bitcoin and then tie it into current events. Now, the, the current event uh, uh, from the other day was the, the chairman of the Fed made an announcement, and everyone was, you know, puts him on a pedestal and... He says that they can, uh, they're allowed to have an a, a inflation target above 2%. And since the last time Gabriel was on the show, the United States has printed trillions and trillions of dollars. Gabriel is a sound money guy. What's going on in the world today uh, in terms of the Fed, the United States, the dollar, and, and what are we to expect here in the next few months? Well, in the next few months, I wouldn't uh, dare to predict this is certainly the most volatile year any of us has ever lived through. Um, I guess you'd have to be a boomer and have been around for 68 to see something even remotely similar to 2020. But, um, you know, yeah, the volatility astrology dictates that uh, things will continue to be not so through solstice in December. So, uh, you know, we'll see how things pan out through the summer Q3 and four, but um, a couple of the quotes in the article that you sent me about Jay Powell uh, really stuck out to me. And uh, here, I have a little quote here. Uh, however, this is, I think this is Jay, uh, Jay Powell himself saying this. However, inflation that is persistently too low can pose serious risks to the economy. So <laughs> inflation is essentially stealing from all users of the currency and giving to those closest to the banking connections. So the closer you are to the central bank, the more access you have to extremely low, much lower than the market would dictate inflation, uh, excuse me, not inflation, interest rates for uh, you know borrowing money. It's essentially the cost of currency, not really money, but currency. So uh, this is just disgusting. And then this is their whole thing. It's like a healthy economy depends on inflation. It's just such a scam. And I'm glad to see that you know many millions more people are now waking up to it. And um, yeah, go ahead. Well, many, many billions, how many are people waking up to it? I mean, that's, that's a question I have for you. Uh, I, Robert Breedlove, you read his article, uh, his, his masters in the slaves article. Uh, I, I believe you retweeted it at least, 
Um, and he, in his order, in his opinion, that everyone's going to wake up to this. Everyone's going to wake up to this. The whole world will be free. I don't think people are waking up to this at all. I, I think that the the guys that are already Bitcoiners are buying more big, start buying a lot of darn Bitcoin in March. And uh, yeah, and I I think there are a lot of people that are obsessed with current with certain current events. It's become their soap opera. It's become their bread and circuses. Uh, there are a lot more. I I don't know if uh I, I, I some people are not valuing their wealth in dollars anymore, but there are plenty of people that are. So that I mean, there, there's my question. We're going to have inflation. We have inflation. We've lived through inflation for years now. Are people going to notice it? Yes, they're going to notice it. I am tweeting out the show now because I forgot I was late and I am done. All right. Did you just retweet my thing that I put out there? Or yeah, just put a comment that we're live now. Okay, cool. So, um, so now whether people are waking up. So here's how I see that. This type of viral idea or social wave or movement, in my experience and also my understanding, not and not surprisingly, they happen in an exponential way. So on an exponential chart, halfway through the chart is 1%. And the other 99% happens during the second half of the chart. So it looks to you, perhaps, Adam, that it's people aren't really waking up to this, but actually it's moving exponentially and doubling X, uh, every X amount of months. And what happens when you have those doublings is the classic story of the, of the rice grains you know, on, the, on the chessboard or on the go board, where you double each, you just, give me, just give me double the last square, no big deal. Oh, and then you've bankrupted the kingdom because you're, you're asking for quadrillions of grains of rice. So it's that type of situation where um, you know, it's a trickle that it becomes a flood. And, that's, and I, that's the same thing with Bitcoin too, where it seems it's, it's like hard because we were like, oh, we're up to millions of people you know, uh, seven years ago. But the difference socially on the, in the landscape is not that huge between 3 million people and 12 million people. But the difference between 12 million people and 3 billion people, that starts to make a really big difference. So I think that's where we're at, where it's this gradual awakening. I think that's a good way. Uh, uh, it will put your point out there. It really uh, gives you – because right now, to me, it, it, it doesn't look like we're growing. But if you look at it that way, take a bigger picture, uh, your theory remains true that uh, everyone is going to wake up if it really is an exponential thing. For me, I, I, mean, I don't worry about it too much if, ever, if most of the world remains slaves and ignorant. Uh, I just know that I'm not. And I, I decided that like in, I decided that in 2013. So it yeah. is about it is about being an adult here. And uh, it, it Bitcoin success or the failure of the U.S. dollar or, or the monetary system, uh, it, it, you know, it doesn't depend on the it, everybody waking up. OK, it's uh, you know, well, that's, that's the amazing thing about Bitcoin is that uh, it's a, it's a self-contained system that's totally separate. It's not like gold where there's a. Uh, it's an existing part of the financial infrastructure and central banks hold it and do their best to manipulate it and, and control it. And there's there, there these cabals of price fixers in London that are going to jail because they got caught out and they're not supposed to do it. It's like as a Bitcoiner, you look at this from the new perspective and you think, geez, you guys had that whole system duct taped together with people on the phone and 
expected that there wouldn't be conspiracies to fix prices so that they could draw off, uh, you know, be rent seekers on this on this point of control. How stupid! But the point is that you know there was no uh, there was no alternative, and now there is. So it doesn't. And you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter whether everybody wakes up. We have an alternative. We have our exit, and that's all that's important. Yes. So everybody, everybody, everybody take advantage, pound that like button, first of all, everybody. And, uh, you know, don't wait around for the masses to to do it. Uh, You get in there before they do and protect yourselves. Now, you you mentioned 1968 there. And you said we had we this has been a year that's similar to 1960. But, dude, they they did not have financial Armageddon that year. And, uh, you know, there were there were assassinations. Obviously, we I mean, that that could be a third. So far, we've had a this in 19 in, in 2020. We've had a, a virus and we've had uh, a civil disturbances in all sorts of cities for months now. It wasn't just following an assassination. Uh, so I don't know what the th- do you think there's going to be a third big thing, by the way? Are we going to uh, I mean, Hillary Clinton has already said uh, for the Democrats, don't accept the uh, results of the election. That used that would have been a radical. I mean, if you would have said that in 2016, I mean, the whole world would be talking about it. No one's talking about it, though. Um, do, do you think there's going to be a third big thing? You know, th- these things come in three sometimes. And I, I, I can I mean, for me, I, I, if there's going to be a third thing, it's going to probably uh, revolve around the election, I would think. But yeah, I, hey, I'm here to be surprised. So uh, what do you think about that? You know, the, the third thing has also been ongoing, in my opinion. And that is uh, extreme weather and earth events very likely caused by the grand solar minimum, which um, many alternative commentators have been speaking about for the past 10 years and longer. Um, The current model of uh, physics and climatology uh, science in general has been so co-opted by essentially communists, um, but also just uh, crooks of all types, authoritarians. Um, they've completely co-opted academia in general, but also science. So that um, this whole uh, they've centralized it as much as they possibly could with um, p- quote unquote peer-reviewed journals. And people say that as if it's something positive, but what it is is actually concentrating the decision making in a very small group of people that's easy to bribe and or coerce through blackmail. That's exactly the same thing with central banking. Uh, that's, that's the central fallacy of macroeconomics. They're aggregating all of, this, all of these metrics. And then what happens is that um, because economics really happens locally, you just aggregate and then you can use any data point to cover a multitude of sins. The same thing happens in science, with physics, astronomy, Uh, So basically, all of these paradigms are essentially false. There's all these um, disinformation plans to try to keep the people in uh, ignorance about the truth. And uh, weather and climate is another one of those issues. We had the global warming scare when really we're heading into a overall colder period through the 21st century of a solar minimum for a number of decades now. And we're really descending into definitely a 200-year minimum right now, but more likely a 4,000, uh, excuse me, 400 to 2,000-year minimum. So something uh, along the lines of the um, you know mini ice age, what we call it, which, um, for example, Washington, when he crossed the Potomac in D.C., you guys are familiar with D.C., it doesn't freeze over anymore, but actually he, they walked right across the ice. Um, and this is 17, you know, 77, eight or whatever it was. So, uh, yeah, so the, the, the but, um, with solar minimum, you get more extremes as well. 
and very high, very much increased precipitation because during a solar minimum, the mag there's a magnetic connection between the Earth and the Sun. This is another alternative idea that mainstream uh, astronomy is just starting to accept as part of the electric universe uh, astronomical model. There's a there's actually a, literally a tube of plasma that connects all the uh, planets with the sun, and Earth and the sun's magnetic field flows up and down in tandem. So what happens is as the solar as the sun goes into its minimum, the Earth's magnetic field also goes into its minimum. What that means is that more cosmic rays can get into the Earth's atmosphere because we have a lower magnetic field to protect us from it, and therefore and cos cosmic rays are what causes clouds to form. Cosmic rays hit the uh, uh, dust and water vapor in the air, and that's what forms clouds. Clouds make rain. That's why we're having a lot more flood events now and much more participation. But also, the precipitation is very uneven now, so we're getting droughts in some places and floods and deluge in the others. So this is our, and then in, in addition, the lower magnetic field and and, uh, and and energy change in the during the solar minimum causes more earthquakes and more volcanism because um, it, it's less suppressed by the energetic uh, energetics of the sun. So we're we're dealing with more earthquakes, more uh, and therefore more tsunamis, more volcanic activity, and therefore more um, possible cooling from ash in the atmosphere, and just lower energy from the sun, with this, which is a slight cooling effect, and greatly increased precipitation in some areas. That brings me to where I think our third big event of 2020 possibly are very likely at this point, looks like it may be coming from, which is the overtopping and destruction of the Three Gorges Dam in China and millions of people's uh, homes and communities and city, large cities that were all built over the last couple of three decades in the, in the river valley uh, beneath the uh, Three Gorges Dam in China. I believe 400 million people would need to be evacuated should this dam break. And it's been on the verge of uh, a catastrophic failure for two months. Mm, that would be bad. And during what, what you just said out there, uh, you, you did. You gave an alternative. Uh, you know, talking about the plasma connection and everything. I'm not. We're not going to get into the specifics of that. But you talked about peer-reviewed journals, and uh, someone in the chat actually kind of gave a. Uh, he gave a good, good uh, summary of what uh, a peer-reviewed journal is. Hang on, wait, wait, wait a second. Where did it go? It was so funny. I got a. Uh, he says a circle jerk academics. Uh, that's so we we've experienced this circle jerk academics in. Uh, some current events that have been going on too. It it seems like a you know everyone's like trust the experts, trust the experts, and the experts aren't exactly experts anymore when they just repeat what the other one says without doing it. It's a big circle jerk. It it, it seems like. Excuse my language. There's a it's a family show, but it, that's not a direct curse right there. So I mean, ha have you? Uh, it, it it feels like uh, the, the masses have just become uh, taught to just trust the experts and or, or trust what they see on TV. We're, we're, we're spiraling into a, an idiocracy, it seems like to me. Uh, I, I don't know if you have a, a take on that since you did mention that the peer reviewed journals. Yeah, I do have a take. I think you're very wrong. I think that what we're, <laughs> <laughs> gladly, I'm glad to say that I think you're really wrong about that. Um, 
it was an it's ha, it has for several decades been an attempted uh, coup on the human mind, and what you're seeing, the chaos that we're seeing right now, coming to a head, uh, is the sign of its failure. Uh, it's an attempted coup of the human mind that has failed. People, there's far too much access for any individual who may decide to look for it. All you need to do is decide that you want to look a little bit deeper. And literally in five minutes, you can you can find that the subject is far more complex than you had imagined already. So you can say, okay, well, geez, that that official said this statement about a disease or about anything, and they said it as if it's 100% fact, but when I do the research, it seems that it's not so clear. Even that is already shaking the fundamentals. And what you, you bring up, you know, really good points, and that is, we're in a time of uh, very rapidly rising distrust in authority. I think this is a really good thing because the authority has been extremely abused and systematically abused for thousands of years. If uh, Certainly hundreds, probably a few thousand. So you're, we're in the situation where the authority has utilized information throughout this you know, several millennia span of what you might want to call uh, an authoritarian, an overarching umbrella, you know, authoritarian uh, governance model, ongoing governance model. And it is currently in a state of rapid decline. And we're seeing the cracks form where there's, you know, large swaths of the population who completely have lost faith in authority. And that's a great thing because the authority has been abused and they can't be trusted and we shouldn't trust them and systems based on that centralization that hierarchy idea the triangle right um are not only uh inefficient in a situation of uh ready access to information but they're also extremely prone to corruption and that's what we've been dealing with our whole lives and we're seeing the access to information provided by the internet undermining that model and and the rumbles of it are these cracks and it looks like everyone's stupid because everyone was even more stupid 30 years ago it's just that now we can see it and also there's a more there's more people who are pointing it out because they've woken up so there's a lot more aware and smart people now too so um you know even though that number is still you know, a small percentage yes that that's the thing i i think it's all out there. If people want it, it's out there. And more people have taken advantage of that now as the years have progressed. At the same time, I think people are being siloed into these social media, I mean, uh, so, uh, echo chambers. Okay. Yeah. There's just a lot. I mean, you're saying that uh, you think uh, the people have, they're going to wake up and everything. If, if so many people had wake, have, have come up to life in the United States, why does Joe Biden have a chance of winning the election? Why? Why? I mean, if the election was held today, Joe Biden would probably become president of the United States. That's the same old, same old right there. That That's a revert. I mean, that's like that's the most uh, normal thing in the world, uh, you know, that everyone was raised with, you know, vote, yeah. vote for the guy that's been around the longest. And, yeah. and so I, I don't I don't. I disagree with that um, with with your once again, I disagree strongly with your framing of the situation right now. That's not at all what's going on. What you've just said. You That's don't you don't all. think he has a chance that he has a great Zero. chance of becoming the president. He is absolutely getting crushed. 
there is zero chance. This is going to be an incredibly thick red wave and not just for the presidency. He has no chance. The polls are absolutely, absolutely just, once again, this is centralized poll taking. They're totally scamming him. Okay. So that, that is a huge point. I mean, this is, I will believe it when I see it. I, it, I have to get past November 3rd to believe that the polls are all horrifically. Well, 2016, 2016, they, he had, there was a, I, I wish I had, I knew he, as soon but, as I saw but, Trump talk in 2015, I knew he would win. I had no idea that nobody else knew that and that he had a nine to one against on the, on the betting. I should have, I should have bet money because I knew the guy was going to win. And then everybody was surprised. I was like, oh, you didn't know he was going to win. Oh, everybody thought, Clinton. I didn't even know they thought Clinton was going to win. And that was 2016. Biden has, is senile. He's got dementia. Yes. And, and yes. like, it's very clear to everybody. And, but meanwhile, you've also got, you know, 35 seats up in the house and there's only 12 seat difference there. There's a, there's a bunch of seats in the Senate. Uh, I think the, the GOP is going to sweep the Congress. But, yeah, so, but you, okay. So you believe that the polls are all wrong, that, that, that they are lying, that they're lying. Maybe people are lying when they're asked who you're going to vote for. Maybe yes, they're scared. No, several percent. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time, we're, we're, we're going to have mail-in voting, there is going to be a, a, a big opportunity for corruption uh, uh, this election, and it, it just it seems like there there are a lot of people that uh, have really just put their whole lives into politics now, and uh, I, I don't know I, I I think he's got a I mean he is senile but he's got a great chance of people don't care uh, people don't care and there's plenty of people that are willing to, to I mean people are on the streets of, of major cities burning stuff down there's all this lawlessness why wouldn't there be lawlessness in the election why wouldn't this be the third thing the third insane thing that happens that's I thought that was this I thought this was the second one and uh, the weather was the third and the first one is this uh, illness the, 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 the illness is number one number two is the the, the street this stuff going crazy on the streets but the, third, but the third would be the election is just out of control it's no one uh, there's complete controversy over it just like well, something I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised if uh, many uh, you know operations are pulled in, in my opinion all these streets none of this street stuff is organic there, uh, you know, it's it's got all of the hallmarks of a color revolution. Same things that that they've tried to pull, or that they've pulled successfully in places like Ukraine, Syria, uh, like Libya, dozens of other places. Um, and you know, this is this is the this is the technique of of the CIA that they've used for decades. However, it's definitely not going well here for them. Uh, it's completely backfiring. Um, so, but yeah, this is just an intelligence operation. It's not an organic thing where there's a bunch of people out on the street who don't want cops. It's just well, well I, I think there are. Rand Paul even brought it up when he was just attacked on the street the other day. That it, it's pretty clear that some of the protesters are being paid, uh, and but they are sparking. They're they're angry people out there. They're they're very they're they're people out there that do not know how to express themselves anymore with words. Okay, I, I think we can agree on that. And sure. so if, if, when people see an opportunity for free stuff, they haven't worked for six months. Um, some of these people that are doing crazy things out there on the streets. They're not, they're, they're just, they're just bored. And this is the way they express themselves now. And uh, there, there's, a, I, I call it a, a feminization almost. I mean, no, no and, and people are scared to, to, some guys are just scared to, to fight back against it. And some guys have just be, you know, become big crybabies. And, and uh, it, I, 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 I do think there is a, there are some people behind the scenes who are so into politics. I mean, politics is their lives so much 
that they're spending lots of money on causing disturbances. The, the media loves covering disturbances and illnesses and, and so it's there's a hand-in-hand -hand cooperation here i think different people have different goals and there's definitely some some money involved but at, at the same time there we're living in a in a country uh, that is uh there's a lot of abundance and people uh there's a lot of envy out there and people can be sparked very easily and i think a lot of people have been sparked i think there is a, there is definitely a lot of anger out there and uh, some just my point is that yes, yeah, some of the people out there on the street doing crazy things—they're not getting paid. They're, they're just—they're angry. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the, basically, you think of it—you know, like fuel, and then the uh, the intelligence and the paid operatives are the are the spark, right? But the fuel, in my opinion, has been spread over decades. Uh, you know, with, in an attempt to program the the populace to to de to de disempower them. I mean, this is the this is the communist, this is the socialist agenda to disempower individuals so that they cannot rise up against your power uh, as an authoritarian. You know, whatever your being the authoritarian mindset. You know, they want to. Uh, you know, like the idea of like a king. They had great marketing four hundred, five, six hundred years ago. They had great marketing where people were like, God save the queen, you know, or God save the king. They're, they're great and they're, they're protecting us and they're doing right by us. They had, you know, all this clout back then uh, on, on a marketing basis, but they began to lose that. And the authoritarians realized, oh my God, we got to update our marketing. So they came up with this uh, Marxist and socialist communist idea in the mid 19th century. Okay, we just slap this, we just put lipstick on a pig. We just slap this idea that we're helping everybody and just institute the same old, hierarchical, you know, um, authority that, you know, um, so, you know, national socialists, you know, Nazis, communists, these are, these are the, uh, types of governance that centralize the most. So they've, they've essentially, um, come in under the radar in the United States and many other countries in the West infiltrating the educational system. If you look at educational system, they teach things like critical theory, which is the biggest <laughs> bunch of bullshit, excuse my language, biggest bunch of crud ever. And it's just Marxist propaganda. Well, it makes this, no sense it, at all. I think it boils down to this. Collectivism is the default. There, more yeah. and more people are becoming, they, they're not, they're not becoming individuals. They're not becoming I independent. And it's yeah, just that, that peaked. That peaked already. I think we disagree with, I mean, it's, it's to me, it seems like the you're, time mistaking, that, you're mistaking the visibility for the actuality because the media is completely co-opted. They're covering these tiny, tiny little events in, in these fiery street parties when the vast swaths of, you know, 328 million people have absolutely th think that's, completely a terrible idea and and total bs and they disagree with it and they're, Let, not, well, they're not saying anything let's go to coll some collectivism examples out there i mean there people want it's 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 been lately the disturbances have been called by caused by racial collectivism uh, to say the least that no one is thinking as an individual anymore if if something happens to a certain race a person of a certain race uh everyone gets generalizes and says you know, X is against this race. We have to do something. This race's uh, lives matter. I mean, it, it, it's de there's definitely a huge racial collectivist component of what's going on now. And that's part of the technique is in yeah, order to separate the populace. You just they're, buying, they're buying into it. The 
of all, all races are buying into it. Dude, I'm in Asheville, uh, North Carolina right now. There are more there are more Black Lives Matter signs out here than black people, actually. It, it's unbelievable. That, that's how, so you, you say it's just a small percentage of the people that are buying into it. I mean, there's plenty. And when I was in LA, thank, God, thank the Lord, Hashem, I escaped from LA. I mean, the, the, the day of the riot there, uh, there were plenty of people driving up to uh, where I was, you know, near uh, near West Hollywood, near Beverly Hills, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, I don't know how angry all of them were, but there were plenty of people that were bored out of their gourds that decided it's time to just take it to the streets. And I mean, people want a cause and this collectivist cause is out there. It's it's the, yeah. the this is the mass movement of the day. Uh, Eric Hoffer wrote that book with mass movements or whatever the heck it was called. It, 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 and it was, it was triggered by the virus and now it's turned into racial collect, racial collectivism and the virus mass movement. That, that's yeah, what the it term, is. The term you're looking for is intersectionality. This is this racial collectivism thing where you break up everybody into tiny. The great thing about intersectionality is that it always leads to total disintegration and the, and the, and the total collapse of any movement based on it. So luckily we don't really have anything to worry about it. But um, your point is well taken that these uh, you know, people who are easily led, who are easily persuaded, who are easily controlled, who are easily manipulated, who are easily programmed can be encouraged and persuaded to participate in these uh, actions uh, of uh, disorder and destruction. However, you have to realize that because they're so soft-headed, they've been pro you know these this, the population has been programmed to be soft-headed and credulous their whole lives. They can also be programmed to do other things, and it doesn't. It, it's it's it only takes a nudge in a certain direction to completely flip them over. So it'll be interesting to see them get controlled in different ways by different groups. Think about. Uh, you know, what kind of a difference a million Bitcoin millionaires can make in the society with their message and with their money. I mean, um, you know, this whole programming thing goes both ways is what I want to say. That's that's a that's a really positive take on it. I, I like that. I, I hope here because everything that we've just talked about, I on a personal level on it as an individual. I don't give a darn because I'm already in the Bitcoin overlay. I when I want to leave a place, I leave a place. Okay. If I don't want to be around certain people, I'm not going to be around certain people that are acting crazy. I can say whatever. I can't be canceled because I don't work for anyone. I don't have kids. I don't own a house, so I don't have those attack vectors. But most people are have some attack vector. Okay. That that's one of the glory, the things that I, I talk about on this channel is to truly get into the Bitcoin overlay. Get rid of your attack vectors. Get to a situation where you cannot be canceled, and get to a situation where you can leave. If things get bad wherever you are, and you know people talk about home ownership, but if you get stuck owning a home in uh, Minneapolis, you're you're in some yuppie part of Min. It's not too fun anymore, is it? I mean, it was for a time, right? Going to see the Twins play. Now, what are you going to see? I mean, it, it, it's terrible. Now, on that note, someone had a question. Uh, what's my shirt say? It says Satoshi. Another and I've worn this before in the Beyond Bitcoin show. Remember, subscribe to the backup channel. Gabriel is linked to below, so follow him. Follow me at TechBot. We're having a, a great discussion. And another question here that is really good. Spartacus of Pharisian said, what country would you move to with all this? Well, he asked me, but I, I'm going to ask Gabriel too. To tell you the truth, dudes, the, c combined with the virus that's going on right now, the, the virus stuff is huge. Back in the day, people would say, oh, we've moved to New Zealand. New Zealand is great. I have been to New Zealand. It is great. It is beautiful. You're in the middle of nowhere. No one's giving you problems. Everybody's nice. But 
What's going on in New Zealand now? The authoritarian lady who's in charge there, I wouldn't want to be there now. It's horrible. Like, like a few people have the illness, okay? And they shut the whole country down. I mean, it is, uh, and no one's fighting back or anything like that. I've been to many, many countries on this planet. I love Israel too. He shut down Israel. It's ter it's terrible there also. Uh, I like, uh, there's plenty of places I've been to, Asia, et cetera, et cetera. Let me tell you, here in the United States, it's a tremendous country. Every state is a little different handling all the situations that are going on, okay? Uh, and the other thing I love about the United States is that there are people, we have the most people speaking up against this, okay? By, by far. Now, I've seen there have been protests in Germany lately. That's good. That's good. But uh, to answer my answer to that question now, honestly, you said, what country would you move to with all this? All this being the virus and the, the BLM stuff and everything, it would be here in the United States. I, I, I'm, I'm pleased that during this year, I have been here. I wouldn't want to be stuck in New Zealand or Israel or Australia. Australia is beautiful too. People always mention, oh, Australia is so great. It is great, but they shut down all the city of Melbourne. One of the most beautiful, greatest cities on earth is like, it's horrible. It's like there was a war going on. They had everyone shutting their house. This is, it's, so I'm, I'm going to say the United States is it. I've been having a blast here. I Los Angeles was annoying. So I went to North Carolina. I'm going to go to Baltimore. I'm going to go to Salt Lake City. I, I go where I want to go. It, 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 each place is, a, let, let me tell you something. In South Dakota, it's not going to get as bad. And they're going to be holdout states here. You know, even if Biden wins, that's why I say if Biden wins, Biden wins. They're always going to be holdout states that will not buy into the, the nonsense as some of these states have totally bought into all the nonsense that's going on. Gabriel, you take it away there. So I said a lot. You know, uh, you make a really good point. Um, the United States, one of its big strengths is that it's not a, you know, it's not really a democracy. It's a, it's a republic. And that's a great strength because the states individually are democracies. People vote directly for their governors. And the president is not supposed to have nearly as much power as he does. And they, it, there's far too much centralization, but the general structure is much less centralized than any European country or Australia, New Zealand, which are complete. They've completely because the people there are calm and and uh, easygoing. They've totally taken advantage of that and created essentially, uh, you know, a socialist nightmare on top of the what should be a prosperous society. So, in my opinion, the government of the United States is actually more powerful than I prefer. I prefer to go to a country that's a bit looser, where the government has a lot less power, is not able to stay on top of things as well. Uh, what ends up happening is that people tend to take care of the, uh, take care of their 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 issues among themselves a bit more. It's not nearly as litigious because the courts can't be depended on. And what happens is people t tend to, if you have the right balance of uh, culture and society you have a weaker government and what ends up happening is the people have a lot more leeway to live their lives so i suggest looking for a, a government that is uh, sort of in the middle it's not in uh, uh, mid collapse like venezuela and under attack from the international community and but it's not canada either where um you know the population are sort of these uh, docile slaves uh you know kowtowing to uh you know, the, the socialist central government that's currently, you know, mired in scandal as it is, but they, they, they just willfully look away. I've talked to many Canadians about this, for example. It's like so, uh, similar to Australia and New Zealand. So that's, you know, you want to find maybe that middle ground where there's a government that's functional but weak. That's my advice. Uh, and 
by the way, Gabriel and I talking about Australia, Canada, and New Zealand, the people being weak and stuff, uh, you trust me, they, they are. You, we've had plenty of people, you know, ask Francis in, in, in Canada, ask uh, Hass in, in Australia, I've, I've had, and uh, Alex, and Alex from Australia. I've had plenty of guests on from these areas who say they can't, uh, because, yeah, you know, Australia, when, yeah. Australia, we see the movie, the Crocodile Dundee movie we grew up with. He's so manly. Is that a knife? You call that a knife? It's, they're like, no, no, no. That's, most people aren't like that. They just take it. They, just, they, they like their beer. They get drunk. You, and we think that's manly, you know, getting, but they just get drunk and then hide in their houses. Now, the people I mentioned who I have on my show, who I associate with in the Bitcoin land, like the Canadians and the Australians and uh, well, that I have on my show, they, they are not like those people. They are, they are speaking up against it. But I mean, to, to have to deal, and Alex is not even in Australia right now. He got out, of, he's, he's somewhere in Europe right now. Um, so, and, and Francis doesn't want to be in Canada, it seems like, uh, right now. So uh, let's, let's talk about the, the, the Bitcoiners out there and how they've been handling this. Were you shocked at all by, uh, so, some of the, I mean, some of the Bitcoiners have been outspoken. I have been out, I, I am not giving in. Safadine hasn't given in. Just keep on speaking against this, the panic prison that everyone is in because of this virus. But I mean, were you surprised? I mean, to this very day, there's still some Bitcoiners. They, they, they're proudly wearing the mask in their, in their, uh, on their Twitter feed and everything. And they're still pretty freaked out about, about this situation. They, <laughs> and, wow. and they become, they're, they're status Bitcoiners, which I mean, I think, hey, anyone could be a Bitcoiner. So yeah, sure. Um, you know, I unfollowed all those people many years ago. So uh, I'm in extreme West Bitcoin land. Uh, they made a map. Do you remember that? It was really cool. It was kind of like uh, Bitcoin was like all orange, obviously, with uh, Bitcoin color on the left side of the chart. Uh, it was basically the connection between the, tw the tweets. And um, it kind of gradually phases over into, uh, you know, um, altcoin land uh, in whatever green color on the right. And uh, so, you know, me and like uh, Neil Woodfine and uh, Pierre Rochard and Michael Goldstein, we're all in this ex the extreme maximalist end of Bitcoin land. So nobody in my timeline, I mean, I only follow a couple 300 people. So, you know, 250. So I... Nobody in my timeline is wearing a mask, uh, unironically. The only guy I follow who talks about masks positively is, uh, you know, the philosopher Nassim Taleb. And actually Taleb and Saifedean almost had a falling out over yes. this exact issue. Um, basically, Taleb's approach is if masks decrease the transmission of a dangerous virus by 2%, because of the compound nature of infections, that's actually worth it to do it if the virus is sufficiently dangerous. Um, and you know that's an interesting point. It's like a probability-based thing. And in his defense, he's been talking about pandemics for like 15 years. He says the one really important blah blah blah. The one really important one of the one of the few excuses for a centralized government is to deal with something such as a very dangerous pandemic. Blah blah blah. In my obviously, in my opinion, this particular illness is not a very dangerous pandemic. I think it was probably. I mean, I'm a, I'm a conspiracy guy, um, so I think it was probably p planned to be. And the rumblings in my tweet group uh, is that this thing escaped nine months early, early, and they were they were they wanted to try to launch it in Tokyo uh, last month so that it would be 
uh, much stronger when it was perfected and it had a much higher infection rate. Infect all the athletes, have them go home to their countries and just have this terrible, terrible illness and kill lots of people and then the election, right? But no, it leaked early and now it's this thing where they tried to run the they tried to run the psyops of the uh, fiery street parties uh, while everybody was trying to wear masks. And it was like, wait, these people can have protests, but then you're supposed to not get in groups. And it's just, it's been this total breakdown. And uh, it's really hilarious to me. Obviously, people getting sick is not hilarious. And people uh, uh, passing away is terrible. But um, this, so far, is approximately equal to the bird flu of 2009 in the fatalities, uh, which is terrible. And we should have done more back then, but <laughs> the reaction now is not only not doing any good, but it's directly causing a terrible recession we're just entering. And, and suicides and, and other horrible right. things are coming. Now, yeah, way worse you, than any bug. You you mentioned Talib, uh, he's been talking about it for 15 years. That's the thing. These people who have been waiting for something, they, they've waited for this for so long, finally they get something that's sort of it, and they can't give it up that it isn't as dangerous as people thought it would be. This is, it, it is a pandemic. It, it's compare, it's compare, it's like the bird flu that we didn't even notice in the United States, whatever. I had it. I noticed it. I got real sick for a couple of okay, days. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, but they didn't shut, it, we didn't, it was nothing close to this. Uh, no. You know, the, the, the economy went on, et cetera, et cetera. So th there are a lot of people with vested interests that, you know, have been dreaming of this. And they're, they're young people who lack meaning in their lives, who've seen all these movies for years and years and don't remember 9-11. And they want their own 9-11. They want their own RFK and JFK situations. They, they, they want it. There's some people that just have a negative outlook on life and want bad things. They're doomers. They're doomers. And this is the ultimate. And why buy into the doom? They buy into the doom and they help promote it and they help, they help megaphone it. Now, you bring up something very interesting. Uh, I get, uh, we're not going to get into if, uh, the, if it was planned by a certain, by China, if this was, uh, it, but let, let's go into the reality of social media here. Once this thing got out, okay? Once everyone started talking about it, and then we started seeing you know, people dropping dead in China, all these weird scenes from China. Do you think in the last four months that the Chinese has seen how much the West has panicked, how easy it is to scare the freaking anything out of most people in the West, and that they uh, have used social media to help con control the narrative and you know force people to be more – put people on a path to be more scared and put suggestions like I, I do believe that there are entities out there that are taking full advantage of the situation and adding to the fear for their own benefit it would not surprise me if the, the communist party of china is adding to this and is manipulating things in a way you know get everybody to argue if you should wear a mask or not that only help i mean that helps the enemies of the west whoever the enemies of the west may be so uh Excluding, you know, who who created it? Do you think that uh, the, the China is helping uh, promote it now through social media? Well, I think you know, as usual, I'm uh, like I said, I'm the conspiracy guy, so I'm looking behind the scenes, right? I'm looking at the parties pulling the strings of the of the of the PLA of the Communist Party of the, of the lab in Wuhan. I'm looking at the at those those guys, you know, they're 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 blackmailing the the party members in China, just as much as they're blackmailing, uh, you know, quote unquote leaders in the West. I mean, you look at somebody like Angela Merkel, 
Angela Merkel was actually, I believe, a physicist or a, some sort of a nuclear engineer. She was like a scientist or engineer, and she spent her whole younger um, professional life as a self-avowed Marxist. I mean, she's literally a communist, and she's one of the most powerful leaders in Europe for a couple decades now, or I guess, I guess, fifteen years. I mean, this is. <laughs> It's not exactly difficult to draw the lines back to China, the most powerful communist nation on the planet. So, I mean, they've been working really hard. And if you look, this is not something you see in the United States uh, mainstream media, because if you look at the six corporations that own them, China's fingerprints are all over that too. So the mainstream media in the US or lamestream or legacy media, you want to call them now, because they're already well past glass. I mean, the, the views you get on your channel are, uh, you know, competing with the CNN's uh, off hours. So, uh, you know, this is not, they're not really controlling much of anything at all anymore. Uh, but uh, that's why that you won't hear things like all these uh, academics getting arrested recently. And, uh, you know, the, the Australian government, actually half the government is, uh, you know, doing these mask uh, 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 whatever regulations of you know the uh, penalties if you don't have a mask on, and the other half are researching all of the millions and millions of Australian dollars that have uh, you know been pumped into academics and politicians in the country over the past forty years to try to influence the policy. Obviously, they're you know much closer in the hemisphere as well. So I mean, uh, there's been. Uh, spates of dozens and dozens of arrests of uh, of Chinese uh, nationals and also American nationals with ties to Beijing, uh, you know, getting caught with data. I mean, it's all over the place since Trump got in. They've been really cracking down on this. So, I mean, uh, you know, certainly China's fingerprints are uh, easy to follow. It's not difficult to follow these back and find these stories. And, and one thing that cannot be denied is that during all this insanity, when all the West is screaming at each other, arguing over masks, uh, you know, China has taken over Hong Kong. They, they did, they, we had all those protests, and the Hong Kongers looked like they were going to fight it. Then all of a sudden there's a virus, and no one's paying attention to Hong Kong anymore, and China's done it. They, they've taken control. They, it, it, it's, it, they, they, it, it happened just that easily, that easy. And here in the West, we have screaming Karens, real women, real people on Twitter, saying that we need uh, something like China. We need a lockdown where people are locked in their houses, you know, centrally controlled people. Westerners are begging for the, the, the Chinese solution to the problem. And which is, I mean, that's a huge victory. Uh, if China is uh, sending propaganda out there, it's a huge victory for China if Westerners are demanding a Chinese solution. And clearly, yes, China's always ha has had a big, uh, they have a big economic influence in Australia. You can see it when you're there, actually. Uh, and uh, and it seems like they're uh, the people there ha have bought the uh, the China solution to the problem. They're into it, you know. Like the, let the government will provide the solution. We will blindly listen to the government. It can be as strict as possible. Only the government can s solve this. I have no personal responsibility anymore. And uh, yeah, so maybe it's just a coincidence that uh, people are begging for the Chinese model. But they, they they've got some plans over there. I mean, definitely. I think I think what you're describing is you know trumpeted. Uh, by like you said, social media uh, bots and programs to to uh, further uh, narratives that are um, that are positive for and uh, put put authoritarian uh, governance practices in a positive light. But um, uh, that's not how regular people think. Regular people have skin in the game, you know. Plumbers, surgeons, uh, you know, these people don't fall for that stuff. And 2020 
and the people in the gray area between who don't really care or don't really know the absurdity of 2020, like we discussed, you know, you can't gather unless you're at a BLM protest or you, know, you can't <laughs> gather unless you're you know, smashing windows. Um, the, the absurdity of 2020 is doing a lot, I think, to uh, help wake up a good slath, uh, you know, a good portion of the masses. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see as things, um, I won't say return, but as things settle into a new energy in January, December, January, I think we're going to start to see a totally different new direction, new sparkles on the waves, a new tide coming in. It's going to be super interesting to see the totally different and unexpected narratives for most people. I think you and I might be a little less surprised, but I think a lot of people are going to be real surprised by the next five years, six years. Well, since this is a Bitcoin channel, I'll tie it in real quick. I mean, uh, it, the, the way that the 210,000 block cycle goes, uh, right around uh, January 1st, uh, it, it looks like it could be looking really good. We could uh, we could close uh, December with uh, the highest monthly close ever. The highest the highest monthly close that that we previously had was I think fourteen thousand dollars, and uh, it, it, we, we, we shall see. Uh, I don't want to get into November tends to be the by far the best month in Bitcoin, always for some strange. But I think I, I think we're we're on a. If you look at the two hundred ten thousand, every two hundred ten thousand blocks, we're we're looking good for uh, the the big the, the run up, the clear obvious run up to uh, to an all time high. I think might be obvious by January first, which is I, I I love to bring up something positive here. By the way, you say you know you you're, you talk about the conspiracies, et cetera, et cetera, and you do, and I, I obviously don't agree with with all. I mean, I don't go deep down the rabbit hole or anything, but I gotta say, if all the people who talk about the conspiracies, if, if people are paying close attention here, he's always got a really positive spin on it. <laughs> I mean, there's something. There have been times during this discussion, Gabriel has had a, a more positive outlook. You know, on humanity than I have. Clearly, you know, I, I'm saying we're we're heading toward idiocracy. He's saying no. Uh, so I mean, it's it's a very very interesting discussion uh, to to say the least here. So uh, I do want to something that was in the news. Uh, just you know, did you see the Elon Musk uh, brain chip in the in the pig? Did did you hear about this? I that, just uh, I just saw that headline earlier today. Yeah. I haven't I've read anything about that, it. But, yeah. That's that's all you need. That's all you need. That's all you need. You only need to know the headline. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you think about him? Uh, do you think he's going to be able to pull up? That, that's going to really happen. Do you think he's going to send uh, people to Mars? Is he a is he a positive influence on the world? I, I think it's I think it's it's positive to have someone that's striding in many different fields uh, to, to to build to, to say the least. And he, he's uh, you know is, is he going to be able to build tunnels? I like people who are in motion. Uh, who shake the world up? You actually had that term shaker. You could talk about that if you wanted. But uh, yeah, what, what yeah. I mean, Elon is like the ultimate shaker. Uh, this is a term that I invented uh, for my novel that I wrote. It's, it's like a cyberpunk uh, near future novel. And um, this idea, I didn't, I didn't actually uh, invent this idea. It comes from a philosopher whose name escapes me. Um, I'll try to tweet it out. You guys follow me, and then I'll tell you. But he's an author, and um, basically, he was he was uh, talking about how there is a technocratic class of entrepreneurs using technology and the advantage to your life and wealth is so great when you leverage technology in a period like this uh, because it, it empowers the individual. So, um, and then people who don't are like stuck and he called them the barista class. And then I think he called the other one the entrepreneur class. I called them shakers because like movers and shakers because they're like doing stuff. You know, entrepreneurs are always like 
looking for the angle, looking for the new thing, looking for a cool way to make a buck and, and help people's lives and make a difference um, in like conscious capitalism way, you know? Um, so this is like the shaker idea. And so in my novel, it's kind of like a, you know, I imagine that the society had moved forward uh, a bit and this trend had like increased quite a bit where um, there was, you know, a, an entire class of younger, younger people who are, were, you know, doing um, what you might call like a one, one person corporations or very small companies. And um, I think we're well headed there. I mean, I wrote this novel six, seven years ago and things are already way much in that direction, in my opinion. And this 2020 has only accelerated that trend quite a lot. And the Elon could be considered like the patron saint of shakers in a way. I actually met him. Um, I will say this about him in case it wasn't obvious enough from his speeches extremely introverted guy doing work that requires a lot of interaction with others. It's very interesting contrast. I will say that he was really nice. Uh, he asked me about my book. I was writing it at the time. He asked me, Elon asked me if my book, uh, my novel feed forward uh, was dystopian or utopian. And um, I said, it's neither. I've tried to make it realistic. And he kind of just smirked and nodded. Uh, so Elon, so for me, I'm way deep down the rabbit hole, uh, you know, not below this floor of the rabbit hole in flat earth, but I, I try to, I try to hit exactly that sweet spot that I think at the bottom of the rabbit hole, which is that, um, governments around the world have been running secret space programs for decades, maybe 70, 80 years, and that they've already been using anti-gravity technology, what we call anti-gravity, which is actually more, well, there's other terms for it. It's not really fighting gravity. You're more creating uh, uh, you know, a source field, essentially. And basically, the ether is real. Einstein's not quite, the Einstein's kind of disinformation. The real physics was known in the secret world by around 1930, and they've been building and going throughout this, the, the universe since then. First solar system and now the universe. So uh, that that I, the idea there is that there's several million human beings from Earth actually out in these space programs, uh, and the rest of us are kept here as a control matrix. Um, but that control matrix is currently breaking apart, and we're we're in the midst of this sort of um, fight to regain control uh, by people who you know don't want to have a slave planet essentially. Uh, so they've been because if we are uh, the the real currency in that world is uh, uh, emotional in a sense, or it's energetic or personal. So um, if you can get somebody else to suffer, it's like a Luciferian or Satanist thing where you can like gain energy. It's like the, what's going to call it? The, uh, the, the, the emperor in Star Wars, right? He can like suck out your energy, right? Uh, but then if he uses his powers, it, it does weaken him a lot, you know? So um, that's kind of the, the thought there. Yeah, um, we, we definitely differ on our uh, views of space. So let's let's focus in on the the brain aspect of uh, of Elon Musk program. Uh, do you think uh, he can create a chip that can be implanted in people's brains that will uh, maybe fix, make people see again, hear again, patience. not not be paralyzed? Patience, uh, hmm? patience young Padawan. I was just about to get there. So okay, my good, point good. was. My point was that Elon can't use any of these this secret tech. He's not allowed. He might know about it. He might even know the science, but he's not allowed. He's a mainstream guy. So I do feel like 
Elon is actually a genuine iconoclast in the sense that he's not allied with the secret guys. He's not allied with the public guys. He's, he's kind of trying to do his own thing and balance his own thing and create rockets, which is like hundred year old technology. And this is, uh, and he's, he's already warned about the dangers of AI. So to me, it seems strange and suspicious that he's creating a uh, mental bridge interface because the security implications there are absolutely terrifying and horrible. I would suggest to any tech enthusiast out there planning to put uh, solid state in their body to think twice about doing that because cars since 1990 or even 2000, are, you can hack into cars and crash them. Do you think it'll be any different for your brain? Really? How much do you know? Unless you're an expert, no, I guarantee you, no expert in cybersecurity would ever consider planting a chip in their brain with any type of software in it at all. No, Even I, I, if they I, think that they can control it completely, no, yeah, they won't do it. I agree that this stuff probably will be hackable, at, at, definitely at first. Uh, but if you are a person that's uh, suffering like seizures every single day, or if you're, you're you're very much paralyzed, I think it's it's, it's worth a shot. I mean, if you're oh, like they're already using they're already using them. That's just a little diode or whatever. That's like a very simple circuit that you're putting in there in order to like literally use the. This is not a digital computing chip. Uh, you know, it might have a tiny uh, controller amount of software to catch you know some Wi-Fi in the middle of your brain or whatever. But it, those type of sensors are not sensors, but those type of uh, activators are actually using electric signals to stimulate part portion like cells in your brain. That is a much more uh, like, you know, like that, that's like a sledgehammer compared to what, you know, a neural interface where you could surf the brain, uh, surf the web inside your brain or something. I mean, that is far, far more integrated than one of these simple chips. They're already using them and they're great. I don't have a problem with that at all. Those are very simple. I mean, geez. You know, they've got like whatever, 64K RAM in them or something. You know, it's tiny. It's not something you could ever do anything sophisticated with by, by, by design. It's a one, you know, they're one trick ponies usually for stimulating a very specific part of your brain that can't uh, function otherwise. But I want to go back. Uh, we're, 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 we have some exciting new topics here uh, to something a little bit closer to home and that back, back to Bitcoin, but it, it also is. Uh, uh, social media uh, type of stuff, and that is this INX token that uh, that came out that some uh, Bitcoiners uh, thought it was necessary. Uh, they're starting an exchange, so they thought that in order to raise money, to, to basically to do an IPO using Ethereum tokens. Now these guys had uh, spoke; they didn't speak highly of Ethereum in the past. Now they're uh, raising money through Ethereum. So I think my, my bigger we, and if people who watch the show on Friday and, and other shows are, are familiar with, with what this is, who these people are. Uh, but I mean, the bigger question, I mean, for you uh, is how hard of a time should these guys be even given? I I believe out there there's some people that I call it the Bitcoin Inquisition. If you say if you even mention an altcoin, you get attacked. And uh -huh. I am I am a guy who's just like you know. It's not if people do things on Ethereum, it's not hurting me. I don't I don't care if people do things on BSV even, you know, it's it, it, it's not hurting me. And so, you know, if people want to make mistakes, they can make mistakes. And, and you know, and I can have people of different opinions on my shows and, and everything like that. And at the same time, say, you know, I don't, I don't agree with this person, but 
here they are. They they like Ethereum, and uh, I, I just think there there's some people out there that have it's become so polarized. Everything in this world has become so polarized that some people have brought it to, to cryptocurrency, where it, it's like if you say one thing that's questionable about Bitcoin, you're the devil. That's it. You're cast out. You're not pure anymore. And with these guys, it can be said, yes, they were hypocrites. They, 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 it, it's, it's, let's call out the hypocrisy, but I mean, should they be banned from, you know, from social discourse in the future? Nah, I mean, whatever. It, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not the end of the world. I would not do it. It's, uh, it, again, the, the hypocrisy should be called off, but you know how, how toxic should things be? I mean, I, I think that's a question. They, you know, some of those dudes brought their own form of toxicity, and now they're called out for it, basically. Uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, I brought up a lot of things there. Your, your take on INX and uh, and uh, the Bitcoin Inquisition and uh, altcoins and people doing all sorts of things in this space. Um, I love that term, Bitcoin Inquisition. First off, that's great. I love it. It's perfect. Um, you know, first of all, INX uh, to me appears very similar to sort of a just a stock offering, like an IPO. Uh, yeah. So I don't, uh, I, I don't see how. You, certainly, if you own any stock in the United States or anywhere else, I mean, the the, the ecosystem protecting you on your stock ownership and whether you can say that you own stock that uh, nobody else owns is probably weaker. Than it would be for any sort of token system like this. So um, the fact that they, you know, uh, have registered with the authorities in the U.S. Uh, means it's something similar to, but probably more, uh, you know, more stable than a stock. I think stocks are incredibly manipulated, and you know, the DTCC are the ones who actually hold the certificates, and they're, uh, you know, they can easily do fractional reserve stock ownership. Uh, they, I'm sure they are, according to you know Michael uh, uh, Byrne. What's his name? Uh, Michael Byrne? No. Uh, I forgot his first name, but the guy from Overstock, the founder of Overstock. You know, Patrick Byrne, he's been saying that for years, and I'm sure it's true. So, I mean, to, to say if you own, you know, if, for example, if you're a Bitcoiner or maximalist, you're like, yeah, but I also have a little Tesla stock or I have a little Apple stock. Well, then you're a hypocrite if you're criticizing the INX tokens because those stocks that you own are, you know, have a lot less of a leg, you know, a little bit less of a leg to stand on than these, you know, uh, other worthless to tokens that happen to have a cryptographic system uh, pretty much guaranteeing their scarcity at least. But, um, you know, whether, you know, you'll get a payoff from it totally depends on the team and stuff. So it's, it's like, it's not even close to something competing with a money. So Bitcoin maximalists can, you know, make fun of it all they want, but it's not really something in the same zone at all, which is fine, whatever. Um, you know, as far as altcoins, Certainly, I am convinced by Hope's uh, economist Herman uh, Hope's arguments about the eventual rise of a single commodity. Uh, any market will eventually settle. Any market with sufficient um, uh, communication among it. So, for example, the worldwide market. If we if we're all connected by uh, you know TCP/IP on the internet then it is going to focus in on a single asset to be money. Everything else would be a speculative or a specialized sort of um, payment system, but not a money. And so therefore, I do agree with Bitcoin monetary maximalism. However, um, cryptography can be used to do all sorts of weird stuff. 
And I don't rule out the possible existence of cryptographic digital assets of some type in the future that are totally not monetary at all, but are instead um, what you might call utility tokens, right? So I do think that there is a potential for that. Now, I haven't seen anything that remotely resembles the type of thing I'm imagining, but people have talked about it quite a bit. Uh, and the, actually, BISC, which is a great piece of software, amazing decentralized uh, Bitcoin exchange software where you can uh, find people with uh, fiat and even altcoins and trade Bitcoin with them using Bitcoin smart contracts. Um, really great piece of software, BISQ. They actually launched a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, two, three years ago. Super amazing, interesting project. They worked really hard on it, and it's so cool. And they're still going now, and they're like sort of changing it as it goes. And it, it's it's a self-repeating process where they do votes on the changes to the system, and and there's they have their tokens, which are just colored Bitcoin. They're just, each one is a, a Satoshi with a little extra code in it that shows that it's a BSQ token. If you use those tokens, you get a reduced fee if you use it on the network. So that is an example of a utility token. And they're working towards what exactly what I have in mind, which is sort of a utility token for a specific system that depends on some sort of meat space thing. I mean, Bitcoin itself is a utility token for uh, that uses physical electricity production as its security paradigm. Uh, so I do think that it's possible that one day we will have other, much smaller, more limited utility tokens in the world, which will not in any way uh, become money or compete with the, the function of money in society, which Bitcoin will take. But uh, it's conceivable there could be other cool, interesting digital tokens out there, none of which will be money and not function even as currency in most cases. So, so you are not a member of the Bitcoin Inquisition. This is good to know. You are not, because I, someone from the Bitcoin Inquisition came after me. In fact, uh, I had someone come after me from the Bitcoin Inquisition because I had, because uh, I've had uh, Ty Zen on my show. That's why I got sent to the, and because I have Andy Hoffman on my show, I got sent to the, uh, oh. the Bitcoin Inquisitor. Uh, said he would no longer uh, to speak to me anymore. You know, with Andy, I, I might, Andy, to be honest, I might, I'm, because he's been, because he shilled uh, the, the um, Bitcoin, uh, you know, worthless Bitcoin forks, I might uh, like actually tip off an inquisitor to your location. Like, oh yeah, he's, you know, I might, I might actually like to turn your, even though I'm not an inquisitor, I'll be like a, a slimy jerk and like turn you into them probably because of Andy. Oh, okay. Now, so now, now I'm going to be sitting like It was, it was yeah. you. It was you who told that guy. All right. Okay. <laughs> now, 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 let's stick it. Now, uh, hey, guys. Uh, Andy's my man, though, man. He's He'll be back on the show. Andy Hoffman will be back on the show in September, by the he's way. He's a sweet guy. I really like him, but I do disagree strongly with him about those forks. Yeah, he's uh, – we can ask him more about that. He, uh, he, he, he says straight up that he was promoting altcoins. He was hired by uh, – Mimble Wimble coin, MWC, that fork, uh, that it was an airdrop. Uh, the, the one that Trace Mayer ended up having something to do with, apparently. I, yes, I, I, yes, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, that's still, people ask me, someone asked me, people keep asking me, where's Trace? I don't know where Trace is. I mean, he, he just. After that happened, he disappeared. He He's waiting for the next big bull run so he can uh, uh, introduce himself to a bunch more people who didn't experience that period. 
But in all honesty, Trace has done great things for Bitcoin. I mean, he's I agree. incredible. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just helping a Caitlin Long behind the scenes with her, her bank because he was helping her. Yeah. He was helping her with the bank in public. He's a lawyer. He's smart. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I'm just get, this is what I'm guessing that that's what he's doing right now, that he, he's helping. But she that Caitlin Long is doing that big Wyoming bank, Avanti, Avant, all this all this stuff. I don't even know though. I should have Caitlin Long back on the show. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's working on that. But I mean, he doesn't have to do anything. He's got a lot of darn Bitcoin. So he well, according to him, you know, people have expressed a lot of doubt. I mean, because it's like, well, hey, why would he accept this, uh, you know, shilling fee knowing the damage it'll do to his reputation if he's got so much darn Bitcoin. So a lot of people are doubting that he has all that much. Uh, but I will say this, he was in very early. He certainly was in when he said he was in because he was talking to people and they were there. And he also like funded some early, really great Bitcoin projects like Armory and uh, of course, corporations like Kraken that are still around today, very well trusted, very well respected exchange Kraken. All right, since we're on Bitcoin, I'm gonna ask you uh, the, the MicroStrategy news from now, what's three week three weeks ago? MicroStrategy. Yeah, another company too, another company, right? Yeah, yeah but, but MicroStrategy is the big, I mean, there was a small, two small Canadian companies too. There, there are going to be more and more small companies announcing it because everybody retweets it and it gets a lot of publicity. I'm sure some people will lie and say that they have Bitcoin when they don't. Because it gets, but, but with MicroStrategy, I thought that was the biggest Bitcoin news of the year. I still think yeah. it is. I don't know if it can be eclipsed. Do you think that was the biggest Bitcoin news of the year, MicroStrategy? Uh, biggest Bitcoin, well, no, the halving was the biggest Bitcoin news of the year. Okay. But uh, maybe second, yeah. Because, well, I just tweeted out after the Canadian company started niching. Obviously, they're only, whatever, three, four, five percent is as large of an allocation because they're smaller companies. But um, uh, I said in my tweet that it's a trickle that's going to become a flood. It's once again that exponential chart, right? Uh, and if you think about it, it really makes a hell of a lot of sense. I was, I've actually been waiting for this time. Um, you know, in the in the thoughts of the circular economy, right, where where uh, how a money becomes, uh, you know, goes from uh, just a commodity speculative play to a store of value, which is where we're at now. Obviously, they're announcing that we're saving with Bitcoin. It's now a genuine store of value. I mean, Raul Powell, who was treating it like a speculative asset three years ago, and we dissed him for selling it three and a half grand. He came back around and he bought back in at probably six or whatever uh um, <laughs> and uh and it, now he's uh, has come around and said wow this whole system central banking system is ridiculously fragile and bitcoin is something far more stable that we can put our faith in because it we can see with our own eyes that it works and we can see the code with our own eyes and see the systems and figure out for ourselves that it works it's, it's now a genuine like store value you know uh, it's a commodity play based on uh the longevity and the safety of holding it and uh, the next phases will be as a uh, means of exchange and as a unit of account. And to do that, you need to have that circular economy. And you must, uh, businesses must hold ready cash in Bitcoin in order to create that circular economy where people spend Bitcoin, save Bitcoin, earn Bitcoin, pay Bitcoin, uh, uh, you know, pay their staff Bitcoin. So, um, yeah, I've been predicting this for a long time because think about it. Any person like you or me who's a Bitcoiner who becomes a, an entrepreneur like you or me, <laughs> there's no reason why they will, if, if you are, are turning a profit, right? If your business is turning a profit where you're like, okay, we're meeting payroll, but we also have 11% on top of that every month. This is great. 
a Bitcoiner is not going to go, cool, I want to hold dollars in the bank account. Great, this is awesome. I have dollars now. No, they're going to allocate 98% of that to Bitcoin. You know, obviously, after investing back into your company, whatever you're going to do, if there's ready cash that's available over there that you don't need for cash flow, you're going to invest it in Bitcoin. You're, it's, you know, you're not going to buy stocks. You're not going to do buybacks. You're not going to do, you're not going to make speculative plays. You're not going to buy real estate. You're going to buy Bitcoin. Any Bitcoiner who owns a company is going to look at the books and say, my company must own Bitcoin too because it's a much better play for my company that I own a you know, majority stake in. So it's just a natural decision for any Bitcoiner business owner to make. And they've been making it for a long time, but this was the first really large corporation with uh, over 100 million announcing it publicly with a, with a paper explaining why and how Oh, not how, but why they're doing it and how much, so that uh, you know, as part of, of you know, publicity. It's uh, wonderful. It's, it's it's wonderful. It's point. They bought point one percent of all the Bitcoin that will ever be created. May and it, it is just the flood will just start is just starting. That's why I thought it was the biggest news of the year. The having we knew it was going to happen, and but right. it's, yeah, it, it's you know, pick, pick or choose. They're they're both great things. May more companies keep doing it. Small, big, large. I don't care. Uh, yeah, just because home. something's regular doesn't mean that it isn't big news. I mean, for for us Bitcoiners, you know, you got your Satoshi shirt on. Like every block is like a wonderful miracle baby uh, <laughs> that we just you know celebrate every every day that Bitcoin just runs and the blocks get produced and the the the, mine, the hash rate goes uh, whatever direction, but it's you know it's it stays above zero. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. We're so fortunate and so grateful to be in this time when Bitcoin exists. It's wonderful. All right. I want to, I want to ask you a few more questions that are beyond Bitcoin here. I, first of all, someone mentioned Sweden in the, uh, in the chat. That, that, they've been doing things great over in Sweden also. Now, I wouldn't want to be a citizen of Sweden because you can get a lot of, uh, you could be, you're taxed high in, in Sweden. But dude, I can't wait to visit Sweden again. I, I'll tell you that. They're, you know, right now we're really international travel. It's it's ridiculous how shut down it is. But man, I I they real their constitution. Uh, well, besides the high taxes that they have, they have a lot of freedom. They did not lock down their people. They said it was against the the constitution, against their rules. Great. So uh, I I only I was in Malmo for a few days in 2015. So I, I'm not an expert in Sweden, but. If I could get to Sweden, I, I I think I'd be having a fun time there right now. I, I still, I mean, I'm very familiar with the United States, and I do like that it's so huge, and you can pick and choose what, what state you're going to be in. But, yes, yeah, Sweden probably would be a good country to be a non-citizen of, to, to to flee there. If you can flee to, to Sweden when times are tough and then, you know, get out of there again, I think it would be – and not become a taxpaying citizen. <laughs> I think I think it's a, it's a great location. But I, I wouldn't want to be a taxpayer there because it is – it's it, – it's, yeah, they've got that social. But if you're a visitor there, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it looks like it, and you don't get locked I down. Love get... I love Stockholm. I thought it was beautiful. Um, you know, I have not heard that. That's amazing. I didn't know that their legitimization for their decision was that the constitution does not allow uh, uh, emergency drastic powers of that type. That's really cool. But, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. read that. Re like they really couldn't do it. They actually followed their. I mean, if you followed our constitution, you can't do it either. You can't. I mean, you can't no have a social bank either. Yeah, yeah. You, you said before the president of the United States has become too powerful. Yes, it has. There's too much. It, it was never supposed to be like this. It was a balance of powers. It was you know, it checks and balances between the three branches. They they become completely out of whack. We won't get into that. But uh, 
you know, it, we shouldn't be people. People's whole lives should be based around who's going to be the president of the United States. It, it has become way too powerful. The executive order it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Anyway, let's let's go to to your. I want to get your take. A lot of people are saying that cities are dead now. That New York isn't going to be able to come back. That now everyone knows they can use Zoom. And why, why, why live in a city? They're, they're, they're civil unrest in cities and they're dangerous. They're dirty now. They're, they're, they're going bankrupt. They're just, you know, if they have to, why have a physical location of an office anymore? Uh, why have culture in certain, in New York? So do you think New York is dead? Do you think cities are dead? Uh, are, are we going to have a new interpretation of what a city is? Uh, and okay, that's my first question. Um, I think that cities are not dead. First of all, I disagree with that characterization of the 21st century. Um, I don't think that's where we're heading, although I do agree that there's many changes ahead and certainly the death of the office, you could argue, uh, or not death, but like, you know, sudden decline followed by slow decline. <laughs> so, you know, obviously uh, commercial real estate and office space is gonna plummet in the short term, but I think uh, there is a long-term trend uh, of deeply, you know, reducing uh, offices. But uh, cities aren't necessarily only about going to the office. There's also a job, you know, finding a job. Um, there are still quite a number of jobs which depend on uh, physical location. Uh, and in addition, there's the social aspects and the convenience aspects. Um, so, you know, there's quite a lot to recommend living in a well-functioning city. Now, New York has been run by uh, Democrats for a long time, and, and uh, that is probably not going to work out. So a lot of the leftist cities have an extremely rough few years ahead of them. I do think uh, that the states will come out of the coming recession quicker than Europe, uh, and cities... I think cities will become interesting again in the late in late twenties. Mark my words. Right. And what do you think about the future of education on the uh, the, the the kid level and on the college level? Is this uh, is this shaking things up? The, the current situation yeah. that we're in, or some colleges yeah. going to dis okay? Yeah, let, let, yeah, yeah. And that, that affects cities more. also. That affects cities also. But yes. Yeah, yeah. This is a, this is a really serious dislocation. The demographic uh, change will be, will happen as well, and there will be exit to exurbs and rural areas and stuff. But it'll be slower, and there will still be something to recommend cities. But uh, education, I think we're in for a rapid and extreme change. I do think we are get, uh, gonna, we're looking down the barrel of several years of mass university and college uh, bankruptcy. Uh, I'm proud to say that I predicted that perfectly. Five years ago, I told a friend of mine who is uh, a uh, university professor that he has five or six years to get his side career going because that's when he that's the only that's as long as he can depend on that paycheck. And uh, sure enough, here we are. Um, yeah, higher education I think is in absolutely dire straits. I think we're going to see in basically an implosion in the short term and then a pretty rapid decline. I think maybe something similar to the office space idea uh, uh, where there's going to be a, just, a, there's going to be a few localized ones, especially uh, fields of research that require physical access, such as laboratories or uh, expensive equipment, certain scientific fields, there will be these uh, institutes of study. And then in the, and, and then for children, uh, I think it will be, there will be, 
a wave of homeschooling, a wave of unschooling that will be rising, rising, rising. And I do think we're going to return. I think I do think we're going to see uh, state schools, uh, you know, budgets disappearing and alternative education paradigms popping up all over the place. I do think that the educational, the education that we've known through our lives in the West up until now is uh, already a thing of the past. Uh, something new, uh, new systems are going, are rising now already and uh, are going to take their place much quicker than people think. You know, I think the educational landscape in 20 years is going to be radically different than today. Yeah, that's a, a things are things are a change in here. People are discovering. Uh, you don't. Uh, I think it's great. They were stuck. It, things were stuck for so long. It's so great yeah. to see things really loosen up this year. Yeah, I mean, every there was there's a certain paradigm out there. I I've got to go to a four year college and I have to pay whatever they ask me to pay. It, it'll be worth it no matter what. And then you don't get a job. Now that people are this is yeah. waking some people up definitely. Oh, yeah. They they don't like taking the online classes for thirty thousand dollars in mom's den. Yeah. What the heck's going on here? Wait, I can just yeah. you know, take a master class for 200. Boom. Yeah. Now, uh, I guess the, the final thought here, final question. We, we, we talked to, well, I talked about it before the feminization of the world. Do you have anything? <laughs> do you think that's a real thing that, uh, that, that things are uh, trending in that direction? People aren't, uh, taking stands anymore. Or, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a broad uh, term right there. Feminization. It can be interpreted in many ways. You have a, a take on that? I have like, I have so much to say on that. I wouldn't even know where to begin, but let's tie it back into a subject from the middle of our talk today, which is, you know, an intentional effect on the populace uh, instituted by authoritarians, uh, what you might call an elite cabal, say, um, they have been planning and doing them whatever they can in every way whether it comes to you know, health, science, society, culture, art, you know, everything, money, uh, in order to decrease the possibility that their power would be challenged and that they could be they could they could lose it. So one of the great ways to do that, you know, one of the ways that they've that they've found that is very effective is through um, disempowering the populace. Part of it is actually not just feminization, actually. Um, if you think about it, uh, it's actually a, it's a depolarization of gender norms. It's, a centra it's centralizing the, uh, the, the you know, society, the individual perspective and, and reactions to things. Uh, so females are discouraged from being feminine and men are discouraged from being masculine. And so uh, the females have been uh, getting masculinized and the males have been getting feminized. And what happens there is that people sort of, um, it's like THX 1138, they're just kind of in a, in, a, in a zombie haze, right? Where you don't have these this extreme situation. I mean, you look at uh, a, a romantic scene in a movie from uh, 2015, and you and you compare it to one from 1940, and there's this real spark to that 1940 banter and dialogue because the writers were familiar with that from their everyday life because women were ladies and men were men, and they were they were they were alphas, right? And this idea of this polarization causing 
uh, uh, you know, the spark to happen and that people were, uh, you know, that, that's a more fulfilling experience for 80% of the population. And so what happened is, uh, you know, it causes, it causes stress. Uh, the men and especially young men, if you can, if you can cut the balls off the young men, they're, they're your worst enemy as a, as an authoritarian, the young men are the most fire, they have the most energy and they want to change things the most because they have the least, they need, they have the least leg up, you know, in society. So this feminization was very intentional. It's not something that's natural. It's caused by societal programming as well as environmental conditions. Uh, the Wi-Fi we got, the, the uh, all of the um, what are they called? Uh, uh, pollutants. These cause uh, and also all the estrogen, uh, phytoestrogen. The foods, right? If you're a carnivore, you're going to notice that your sex drive doubles. Um, and that's 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 very intentional. That you know, beef was was uh, 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 demonized in the last 40 years. So this has been a very intentional thing. I personally think it peaked out of just a few years ago, just maybe three, four years ago, and now we're heading in the other direction quickly to polarization. All right. You got cut off a little bit at the end there when you said polarization. Uh, what did you say? I was saying, I was saying that uh, I think that the, the, the process of depolarization peaked uh, just a three or so years ago or maybe four and uh we've been heading the other direction very quickly where uh the, the things are polarizing again and if you talk to gen gen z they're more polarized than millennials in my opinion the, the girls are more girly and the guys are a little bit more dutiful you got you got a positive outlook there uh it's uh I, I, I just I see a lot of people not taking personal responsibility anymore. That that's all, and wanting someone to take care of them. It's 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 a reversion to uh, to being an, an infant in, in a lot of people. Uh, what what I see. So that's where I see the lack of uh, masculine behavior on some guys' part. So these guys are like, sure. I mean, it, it's it's really shameful. Some of the stuff I see online, just begging for the government to solve their own problems, and it just totally shameful. Yeah, no, I'm saying it peaked three years ago and yeah, it's rapidly going the other direction, but not that they, rapidly. It's, it's, I'm saying like, you know, it's 1% better than it was three years ago and we're going to hopefully keep going in that direction. I, could I, I hope so. That's my I, prediction. I think, I think that's, a, that's a very positive outlook, a positive way to, to end the show. Well, anything, anything you want to promote, anything you want to talk about before we get, get out of here? Any, any last, uh, any wise words? He's linked to below. Follow him. Pound that like button. You know what? I, I, I'm not trying to shill anything. I'm not, I'm not uh, upping anything big. But I do want to ask you, I'm putting you on the spot here. When we first encountered each other on the internet, probably 2014, 15, Something happened where I said something. That you 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 you've brought this up to me before. You brought it up to me. It. You're like, were we enemies? You asked me. I was like, no, there was nothing ever. I, I think I, that I, I think I teased you, and then you uh, mentioned me on a show. Is all it was. I mentioned you once. I got you and uh, Theo confused on a show. I know that. I, I, I mean, I spoke about you on my show. I said he talks about conspiracies on uh, Thomas's show sometimes. I, I, I probably said something like that. I think, and I, was, I, think I dissed you uh, of something that you said about an altcoin or something, maybe, but I don't remember. I, I don't know. Maybe you did diss me. I don't. I don't remember you dissing me. I didn't have anything. I had nothing against you. Nothing I can Same. remember. I just thought I didn't. I thought the. I thought sometimes you you talk about the conspiracies too much on uh on uh the, the his show on the Friday show Definitely. and everything. Bitcoin, the Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin group. group. It's yeah, Tom on, on Thomas's show. So I, I thought I thought it was you were quite quite a character, and I was you know I I think at first I was hesitant. I was like, should I have a guy that's gonna 
is he going to bring up conspiracies on my show? Oh, I, I, like that, but I didn't like. We didn't engage in any Twitter issues. Or no, like not that. at all. Not at all. I was. Just, I was. Just, I remember just at the time I was kind of confused. Uh, but um, I always loved uh, you know everything you said and your show on Friday was great and uh, I just enjoy our our chats a heck of a lot. So thank you so much for having me today. It's been great. Yeah, man. It's been yeah. It's been great. And again, we don't agree on everything, and that's the thing. Yeah. You can have different people on the darn show. People don't don't obey the Inquisition. Do do your thing. There's a lot of yeah, interesting group think, people. Group think. Group think is a no no. Don't do group think. <laughs> yeah, compliance. There's been a lot of yeah. uh, <laughs> herd mentality. Yeah, think been, for yourself. Yeah, yeah, think. Yeah, but yeah, Gabriel, guys, if he's been around this thing a long, long time here, man. I, I, I mean, you've been. I've seen you on you were you were one of the original guys on the World Crypto Network. Basically, I mean one of the original That's guests. About, well, they, they, Thomas and the World Crypto Network is what inspired me to jump on the internet and talk because uh, I thought that uh, nobody was saying what I thought was going on. But um, really, you and I both got into Bitcoin in 2013. Uh, it was yeah. in the spring for me. Yeah, basically. Hey, and by the way, how did you meet? How did you meet Thomas? Or that, that, that's a good story to end with. How did you get get involved to get on his show? To well, be it was. Like I said, I just I was scouring, and there was, as you know, back in 2013, there was very little online about Bitcoin. I mean, it was like one story a week in the in the all over the media, including like smaller blogs and stuff. For for the most part, in like May of 2013, there was hardly any news, and we were starved to like talk to people and stuff. And I was looking for this, and then boom, I found Mad Bitcoins. He started up in I think it was April. March of 2013 and I was like oh this guy's nuts he's so crazy and then he started you know doing normal you know talking stuff not not his crazy get up and, and the news show and he did these panel discussions and I watched them all through 2013 and especially uh, um, he works for uh, who am I thinking the British guy got him so I haven't talked to him in years oh the British great. guy yeah, he's a he's great guy He's so cool, and uh, yeah, but he, so he's smart. part of the Bitcoin. He's part of the Bitcoin position. He, he could be. Well, no, he, but he isn't. He's not because he's he started working for a large exchange uh, several years ago. He doesn't. He doesn't do much online anymore. But uh, I'm spacing on his name. What's his name? He's skinny, unhealthy, unhealthy dude. He uh, he he was uh, had bad health. Whatever his name was. I, I, the Great British guy. He's a smart guy. He's oh, a smart so smart. Guy. And I just I was so inspired by everything he said. Then Andreas Antonopoulos was on there, and they were talking and. And uh, in early 2014, I reached out to Thomas and I said, because then, then Bitcoin group. Chris, started. Chris, what's Chris, Chris, Chris Ellis? Yeah. I don't, I can't, I'm so sorry, Chris. I spaced on your name. It's getting a little late. Chris Ellis incredibly inspired me. And he, Chris was on with Thomas on the show and Theo and other people. And uh, watching the show, I, I loved everything they had to say, but I was, I had, you know, opinions that I thought other people might be interested in too. And so I reached out to Thomas and interestingly, right at that time, Vortex also started a show himself. And Thomas said, Hey, why don't you jump on with Vortex and do a show with him first? So we actually did a show on a, on a now defunct network and uh, did, and then Thomas liked what I had to say and he brought me on. So he, he, I basically auditioned with Vortex, but then Vortex and I kept talking too. And and, uh, and then we brought in the next show, we actually brought in another genius, uh, uh, Bitcoin and Markets uh, podcast now he does, um, uh, Ansel Lindner. Lindner. So Ansel was on like a week later. 
So Ansel and I got started with Vortex too, who's another genius. So he's way more advanced than you or me with finance stuff. He's like a real uh, insider trader guy. So and Ansel, incredibly smart guy. So uh, yeah, I got I got my start. I auditioned Vortex, and then I was on the Bitcoin group all for like four years straight. Yeah, back in the day, you could just like contact Thomas, and then all of a sudden you're on his channel. It was it was a, it was a <laughs> there weren't many people. The, the basic point is there was hardly anyone doing uh, Bitcoin anything back then. There was no one doing altcoin anything, and you know by by 2017 there was a million altcoin scam channels, all uh, the trading yeah. channels, this that. Now it's just a bunch of noise. It's mostly noise. But back in the day, you could contact the one guy doing it who was Thomas and say, "Hey, I'm your friend." <laughs> And he, you'd be you'd be a host on a show. Really, yeah, one, really one one audition and I was in. Yeah, yeah. Tom, Thomas is great. Thomas, uh, he, he does it for the love of it. He really does it. Yeah, I finally got to meet him uh, last September on the Bitcoin cruise. The uh, the uh, um, what was it called? Uh, oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, we, we had a great time. To hang out with uh, ugly old goat, right? Yeah, it was a little gold event, and we went uh, from LA to uh, down to Ensenada and back. And uh, Thomas and I got to finally meet physically after all these years—six years, six years or, you know, five years later—and uh, we had a blast. All right, we, we got we got a question here. We're going to end the show, but we got a, a five-dollar Canadian question. Taval, thank you for this. He says, "Adam, ask Gabriel, ask Gabriel if he if he thinks the stock market is in a bubble." And any thoughts on the ridiculous uh, valuation on Tesla right now? Uh, not specifically on Tesla, but um, as far as the stock market, to call it a bubble. Well, I mean, basically, I have to come back to the famous, wonderful illustration from 1912 uh, when uh, the Federal Reserve was proposed to the American public. A uh, very sagacious uh, newspaper cartoonist drew a wonderful, see if you can find it maybe, uh, drew a wonderful drawing uh, called The Coming Money Trust, I believe is the title at the top. And it's this giant octopus. And uh, it's, it's, it, his tentacles are in all these industries and banks and, 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 and all these different places. And obviously he's sucking up the coins from those places and he's barfing out these gold coins into the stock or into the the Wall the New York Stock Exchange, and so basically he he very uh, correctly foresaw that the money would be you know the wealth would be stolen from everybody else, and uh, the way that they would make their uh, nut was by pumping it into stocks. And sure enough, here we are. Uh, you know the, the this is the end phases of that experiment. And uh, look at that stock market chart. There was a little hiccup, uh, a couple little hiccups, so they just came in to save the day with their plunge protection team. I mean, it's all such a huge fraud. To say bubble indicates that there's like a coming pop, but I think much more likely is a crack up boom. Now, you mentioned hyperinflation. Technically, uh, you know, the textbook definition is 100% inflation on the month. You're probably right that we won't ever see that in the US. However, I do think we could see a crack-up boom. Crack-up boom is basically a, uh, uh, where the stock market is going up in nominal terms a lot, but might actually be going down or certainly not up as much in inflation or, you know, if you consider inflation. So um, I think we, I think, I mean, the crack-up boom is often the case when the deflation 
finally explodes into inflation like it does after you know event crazy events like this year i think we might be headed for a crack up boom in the us but it's really hard to say because there's so much financial manipulation uh, you know i certainly think that it's a bad place to save if you think that it's a safe place to park your money no it's an extremely risky speculative asset and that market you're you're not one of the guys controlling it so they're they're the one if you want to try to ride it i mean it's like a risk you can take and see if you can read the signals but really what it is is this this uh playground for people to steal your the, the big players to steal your money yeah, I, I, definitely. There's some insiders. It could be manipulated. And, and hey, you know, you I wouldn't call it a bubble yet because the Fed hasn't started to buy stocks yet. The, the Fed, I mean, they're not allowed to, but they'll change the rules. The, the Fed will yeah. eventually, just like in Japan, they're, they're yeah. Fed buy stocks, don't they? So, I mean, yeah, we're, we're, I we're not even. That, yeah, the J Japan, uh, they caused a 30 year depression uh, in the <laughs> Uh, by doing by by bailing out everybody and create they created an entire zombie economy. I don't think that the U.S. will be able to pull that off. I think Trump's going to bring in Judy Shelton, uh, who's a big gold bug, and they're going to try to do a total monetary reset to a gold-backed currency. In my opinion, they're going to do something totally different, uh, and we're, we'll see if that works and how long that works. I don't think it's going to work for very long, to be honest. But all right, dude. So with that, all of that in mind, stocks, Judy Shelton, gold, Trump. Just value your wealth in Bitcoin, people. You don't have to rely on any name or, or any third party, and you don't Bitcoin have to worry. Bitcoin is my unit of account. Yeah, yeah. All right. This is where the big boys play. It's Bitcoin. Thank you for that question there. That was a good one. All right. Now, that's the end of the show. Anything else, Gabriel? That's it. Awesome. All right. All right, dude. Thank you so much for being on. You guys got a lot of beyond Bitcoin. You got current events. You got history of of world crypto networking. I mean, who knows what you got here? It was it was a great time. So thank you. I'm Adam Meister of Bitcoin, Meister Disrupt Meister. Pound that like button, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the backup channel to get a new show here every day. I'll be back tomorrow. Thank you, Gabriel. See you guys later. Bye-bye. Thank you.